Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations with Z and Vin. And we're continuing our previous conversation. So we talked a bit about confirmation bias and the tendency that people have to seek out evidence that either makes them feel good or confirms an existing point of view. We talked about how this is very dangerous for health. It means that there are problems that we don't attend to because we're just not willing to face up to them. It means that we can't interact with a lot of different people who may not have the same view that we do. And we just find it too irritating or too threatening. So it really limits us in life. And Z, as we were talking, we were talking about a very specific instance of this. So I think it's a good way to continue the previous discussion. And this is really around interacting with people on a personal level. And this whole idea about providing validation and enabling dysfunctional behavior. So a lot of times, whether you have friends or you have an intimate partner in a relationship, there's a certain expectation that you're going to be there for that person. And that on the surface is fine. I think that's why we have relationships. We can stand up, we can help someone when they're falling down. But the whole question of what does it mean to be there for someone needs to be considered. Because a lot of times what we think about when we imagine someone being there for us is someone who's willing to validate everything that we're going through, we're experiencing, and we're feeling. So if we've had such a horrible day and we come back to our partner and we say, oh my goodness, can you believe that this person did this to me or my boss did that to me or I had this argument with someone and how did they get off saying this particular thing? We're supposed to sit uh, sit back and say, oh my goodness, you're right. That's so horrible. How could they do that to you? That's terrible. And yeah, maybe sometimes it is terrible. Other times, maybe it's not productive to provide that point of view. Maybe we are perpetuating a certain drama. I've seen this a lot in people. Uh, People have a victim mentality and they feel that the world is out to get them. So they are often complaining about all of the injustice that they face or all of the unfairness in their life. And when I step back and look at the situation objectively, I don't really see that. I see more someone who's always walked around with a chip on their shoulder who always feels like they're at a disadvantage. And I also step back and I think, okay, even if I didn't have a close relationship with this person, I wouldn't just want to confirm what they're saying because that's going to perpetuate the illusion. So this whole worldview that they have about not being in control or being the victim, if I go in and I say, yeah, you're right, that's so terrible, that's just going to reinforce the same view. And that's going to perpetuate this behavior, which frankly isn't serving them. It's creating angst. It's creating frustration. It's preventing change. Uh, It's preventing an examination of yourself and asking, what can I do to avoid these situations or not let them bother me or take control of my life and move it in different directions? And it's even worse because if you're close to someone, you certainly don't want to do something that's going to make them worse off or that's going to perpetuate dysfunction. But that's really, Z, where some of the challenge comes in because the closer we are to people, at times the greater the expectation is that we're going to be there and we're going to support whatever they're saying. We're going to validate whatever they're going through. 
I've heard this in other ways as well. Uh, so I've heard a refrain sometimes, which you may have heard also, something around how people just don't understand me. Or, no, sorry, it's uh, they're not listening to me. You're not listening to what I'm saying. And when you dig a little bit deeper, it's not that the person isn't listening. It's that they don't share the same point of view. They don't have the same interpretation of a situation. So because someone's got a different interpretation, they don't see a particular behavior as outrageous. Whatever the situation is, suddenly that becomes, I'm not being heard. My point isn't getting across. Yes, it is getting across. It's just someone else has a different point of view. And we have to be able to recognize that, accommodate it. Uh, but sometimes people just don't see that. Uh, so that's, uh, I think, another example that I've seen uh, where people have a, maybe they're using words incorrectly. Uh, they're taking something like an idea that people aren't listening to me and they're misapplying it. Uh, they're not realizing that there's just disagreement and there might be valid disagreement, which uh, prevents them from critically examining their own position and asking, okay, am I right to come to this conclusion? Maybe I am, maybe I'm not, but I should at least do some investigation. And they never get to that point uh, because they want to be heard and they want validation. They want other people to agree with them. So if someone's not agreeing with them, they just move on and find someone else who is going to provide that validation and reinforce that worldview. So, Z, I want your perspective on this because the whole idea of being there for someone, I think, has come to mean something very different. It's come, we've come to a point where the expectation of someone being there for us means that they're just going to agree with whatever we say. They're going to agree with our interpretation. And a lot of times that just enables bad decisions. It enables dysfunctional behavior. And if someone can't provide that, the person can't see that you might not provide validation because you actually have their best interests at heart. It's, oh my goodness, this is another example of personal betrayal. So let's talk about this a little bit. And I think this is a specific case of the confirmation bias. But give us your thoughts on this. Again, how did we get to this point where we're constantly looking uh, for personal validation, and we're not willing to examine whether our behavior makes sense or not. It's, in, it's ignorance and it's entitlement. Bottom line, ignorance and entitlement. Both are one of the greatest diseases of humanity. I always say if the number one disease of humanity is ignorance, then the greatest cure is knowledge. Entitlement <clears throat> is worse than the flesh-eating virus. It's the worst thing. It will kill your soul, it will, it, you will be a zombie. And we follow just basic philosophy. As we said, there are now 8 billion people on earth with 10 different stories. People aren't listening to you because you're not interesting. That's the bottom line. People listen to me in my small group of friends because they think I have something interesting to say. When I don't have anything interesting to say, there's no reason for them to listen to me. I have something that I share with them that may bring them benefit. I have different friends. I have friends that we only talk about cars. They don't, we don't really talk about health, wellness, and, and, and man in the moon magnolias or whatever hell we're talking about. And I listen to them and they listen to me because I get value from what they share with me and from their company. 
So if you're not interesting at different times, people won't listen to you. Then at other times, you're very interesting. Um, there are duties, for example, <clears throat> in a household between a couple. And if you're in a, a, a prehistoric heterosexual relationship, you understand that men and women communicate very different. My wife comes in sometimes and she talks a mile a minute. I don't know what she's talking about, but I've learned to just sit there and listen and go, really, isn't that something? That's great. And you know what she says? I appreciate that. She knows I'm doing it. She knows I don't know what the hell she's talking about. No more than, <clears throat> excuse me, no more than I expect her to come in the garage with me and work on a, um, a needle and seat adjustment on my carburetor. She has no interest in doing that. That doesn't lessen our love for one another. That doesn't make us further apart. It's that we accept that we are different and we enjoy different things about each other. So <clears throat> also dumping on a person when you walk through the door, that's about unhealthy boundaries which deal with ignorance. It's also about the basic lack of gratitude. If you walk into the door of your home, all over the world, as Khalil Gibran says, millions of people have entered into the gate of death. Millions of people. And as it said in the Vedas, the same thing. Every day, millions of people die. I told you, last couple of weeks, I, I know a 50-year-old man just found an untimely death. Then a few other people passed under 50 years old. They were here one week, and they're gone the next. They still got points at Veggie Grill and a coupon for Starbucks ready to go. Their Facebook is still up. I have an old friend who died, and their Facebook is still up sending us birthday wishes or whatever the hell Facebook does to tell you to compliment people on their birthday. They're gone. And all that's left to them is insignificant traces of their existence. That will happen to all of us. So when you come home at evening to, you should come, as Khalil Gibran says, with gratitude. I'm glad to see you. I had a long day, and, and now that I'm in your company, that day is over. Whatever rantings or whatever stench of that day, I'm going to go straight to the shower, straight to the bath, and I'm going to wash that day off of me so I don't bring it in the house with me. I don't bring the stink of my job and my unhealthy interactions with people that I must interact with for a paycheck. I'm not going to bring that home to you because... I'm glad you're here with me for this short life we have to share together. <clears throat> so gratitude is about higher consciousness. Rejecting entitlement is about intelligence. Healthy boundaries is an exercise in a way of managing your health and well-being of your environment and your family. Even amongst friends, you practice it. When you meet a person who has no friends, there's a reason. That is a sad person that is trying to shape the world to their liking, and it will never happen. They will leave this world with no eulogy. So let's make that happen now. And I do that as a warning for friends, couples. Don't just go dumping on people stuff that is in consequential. Nothing happened. 
You went to work. Your day was good. Your kids are alive. Your, your wife or your husband is doing well. You don't deserve more than that. None of us deserve more than that. And if we are a fool and an idiot if we think by whim of birth that we deserve more than that. Gratitude teaches us that. So do not support dysfunctional behavior. That doesn't mean you have to get in the face of these people. That means you have to protect yourself from that disease, like hoof and mouth disease, like you would protect yourself from the flesh-eating virus. Create healthy boundaries. Create that shield around yourself, that nice force field around yourself, and be an example. What is a bad day at work? How bad is it if you made it home alive? Now that's coming from me having different life experiences, but I think you can learn from my life experience. You got home and you're alive and well. Maybe you live in a huge, toxic, metropolitan environment, a rat-infested city like New York. Too many people on top of one another. Too much ill will towards your fellow man. Just the fact that you made it home and everybody's okay should be a celebration, should be a siesta like they do in Europe. When I was over in Europe, <clears throat> you can get nothing done between the hours of 11 and 3 in the afternoon. You know why? Everybody's friggin' celebrating. The average Western American goes there and says, what's wrong with these people? They could be getting in some work. They could be working harder. Really? Why do you work hard? What is the purpose of working hard? So you can have a decent place to live and you can provide comfort and sustenance for your family. What if you could do that and have a siesta in the middle of the day? Would you do well? That's what they do. They're not vested in the endless pursuit of the endless pursuit. Also, <clears throat> in your life, you have a handful of friends and loved ones, right? Handful of friends and loved ones. Okay? Nurture those relationships. But don't ask for more. You're not going to walk into some stadium and everybody cheers your name. Hey, hi, Mary. Hi, Joe. Let's give them a big round of applause. For what? You've done nothing to impact humanity in any grand way. You've done nothing that will last beyond your last breath. Why should people cheer your presence? And if you have done all those things, you did it because that's what you wanted to do. So you were rewarded anyway by the divine. You do what you love. Can you just say that's enough? I often have this discussion with my wife because she has kind of like a kind of what would you say, Kate, like a hyperactivity disorder, right? <clears throat> her and her family have hyperactivity disorder. What do I mean by that? Imagine yourself sitting in the middle of a beehive. That's what it's like. That's the only way I can describe it. They run around and do stuff. I don't know what they're doing, but it seems to be directionless. But that's their way. So I learned to meditate in the middle of the beehive. And then my wife used to come and sting me, and my mother-in-law used to come and sting me, and my father, they used to come and bother me. Now they just appreciate the stillness. They say, ah, oh, that's just the way he is. He's not going to move for a few hours. We all get along now. 
But if they tried to make me like them and I tried to make uh, them like me, we would be in endless conflict. My wife did the most beautiful thing that she came home and she was talking about stuff. I, I, I have no idea. I, I just it, it just like a chatterbox. You know what a chatterbox? That's what it sounded like to me. And I just listened and I didn't listen. Right? I said, oh yeah? Wow, that's amazing. And everywhere I catch a word here or there. I go, really? Yeah, she, oh, you know that girl. You know something. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, you talked to her. I have no idea. She, remember that guy? No, I, I don't remember. But, you know, my memory's failing. I depreciated myself like that. I got out of it. And she said, she told me, she said, thank you for listening. See, peace. When I was a younger man, I would have said, damn it, shut up. This is nonsense. Let's talk about real world issues. Let's go fix problems. Let's go uh, change the world. Let's, let's do that. That's what I would have done when I was younger. And then we'd been in a big fight and broke up and everything else. See? But as I've matured and understand the nature of things, just accept people with gratitude. I, I, I love the people in my life. They irritate me sometimes to the core of my bones. I was just telling Caitlin, I'll be so glad when she gets back to work full time. These boys are running around here, and it's just pure <laughs> chaos. Okay, it's just, it's, Caitlin, it's it pure is. chaos. It's I had to tell them to go get toilet paper, yeah. and, and then they lost the key to the towel box. How, how do you lose a key to So, But you know what? They're good boys. They, they do what I say. They clean up when I ask them. But you have to tell them every detail. You know that, Caitlin. Yes. Anything you don't, you have, you say, hey, sweep the floor and also pick up what you sweat. They, they won't do it automatically. But we've learned to accept people where they're at with gratitude. They are very helpful. Um, if you need heavy stuff lifted or things moved, they're great, right, Kaylin? Oh, yeah. So that's good. Now, Kaylin is more like a Swiss Army knife. You can get her to do all kinds of stuff. She's got different things. You flick out this and she can do that. But right now she's convalescing and we're giving her a few hours off in a day to deal with whatever. She may be faking, but anyway, she's getting time off. So <clears throat> we go at everything with gratitude. And I say, people, a cancer you bring home to you is passing your annoyances on to your loved ones. When we see each other and greet each other, do like the Buddha said and meditate on the most horrific level of suffering visiting upon your loved one. And when you see that they're safe and they're home with you, greet them as if you thought they were dead. Treat everybody like when you see them as you, as you thought or had heard bad news that they had died. Then think about what you would say. You would just want to hold them, hang with them, have a tea with them, a simple laugh. You know, we, we're here and Caitlin's been going through some stuff, and um, I was so upset with her. I said, you need to call us every day. Not for her sake, so it could comfort me. Because I, I, it's just really hard to get another employee, right? So <clears throat> I said, please, just check in. And whatever you need, right, Caitlin? Mm -hmm. She's a little princess right now. Why? Because I have gratitude for not just her, but her in my life. I have gratitude for you, Vin. 
and all my friends that are out there. I talked to my dear student, Kimmy. I told her, I have a little picture of your daughter, Gracie, on the dashboard of my car. And whenever I see that smile, I don't just see that little girl. I see the story around that little girl. That's gratitude. See, I practice gratitude because I know what it's like to touch the porcelain cold body of someone that you hold fond and deep love for in your heart who was warm the night before. I know what that horrible knock is at the door of strangers coming your, to your door with a coroner's badge. I know what that's like. I know what it's like to hold a person when they have aspirant breathing and the breaths become further and further apart until they are no more. So hell yeah, I go everywhere I go. I carry a burden of gratitude with me. So you will never have me dump. Let me take that back. Sometime I will vent. But I always leave it in a comedic manner. Is that right, Caitlin? I come in and vent. Don't I vent? Yeah, yeah you vent. And it's all, but I always leave fun. And I always leave room for others to vent back. And I never give up. I've got on your ass, Vin, a number of times because you don't know how to be friends with people. Vin is real weird sometimes like that. But he has gratitude. And he's willing to learn and his heart is open. And I talk about the exercise of gratitude that is revealed in friendships. Because friends are the family you choose. That's the family you hold to the highest standards and the family that requires the most exchange of interpersonal commerce. You have to go on a ledge for friends and they have to go on a ledge for you. That ledge will be rickety and sometimes shaky and it will test you, but it builds the character of gratitude that you express because it is those friends that have made your life worth living. It are those friends who will write your story and make your story complete and detailed and colorful because every friend knows you in a different way. As I said, I have people I've grown up with all my life. The first boys that I, I met uh, coming here, uh, one of them has passed away, one is still my best friend, and he can read me the riot act. He can say things to me that no one on earth can say to me. I have mentors that I have such gratitude for. Caitlin's gone to me and seen my mentor, Chinley. I turn into a 14-year-old boy whenever I'm in her presence. Is that right, Caitlin? Mm -hmm. It's a mess, right? Yeah. Caitlin tried to punk me about that, but I'm proud that I have such reverence and gratitude for a person that they make me feel shaky. And I'm never shaky. I'm very earthy. But it's a great feeling because I'm youthful and there's a story. I have a dear mentor who comes on a regular basis. I'm glad to offer him whatever service we Kumasi. And one of the first things he did when he heard that Caitlin was going through some stuff was saying, what can I do for her? And then that's the first time I felt jealousy. See, he never said that to me. And he's been my mentor for 60 years, 50 years. Damn, Caitlin. So, gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. And I would challenge anybody, when you first, yourself, that person that you're with that you adore and love so much is on borrowed time. We all 
are on borrowed time. We are here due to a whim of fate and a moment of lust. And time is cooking us right now. So be grateful for the time that we have together. Manage that time in a way that is economical. If you're with somebody because they bring you a smile, give them a smile back. If you're with someone because they feed the depths of your lust, then feed that lust. If they're with you because they enhance your intellect, then get it enhanced. Drink up that knowledge and share and exchange. That's gratitude. Don't ask for more. None of us deserve more. Life is the greatest gift. There is nothing greater than this gift. There are people who are different than you, different temperaments that will love you in different ways. Accept that as if you were a beggar being offered alms. Just accept it. And don't say, do you have more? You can't give me more. No, that's all you get. And feast upon that. Make that just one, because you didn't deserve that. You didn't deserve the alms. You didn't deserve that. The beggar deserves nothing. They're there to, to appeal to your own need to feel uh, virtuous. That's what the beggar does for you. So if you want to feed your virtue, feed it gratitude. Leave people the hell alone. Just be grateful. Thank you. Thank you. I tell everybody, you hear me, Kayla. Thank you. I appreciate you. Even though you're a pain in my ass. Because in order for you to be a pain in my ass, that means i got to give a damn about you. In order for me to give a damn about you, i got to be a human being. So I came from a place, and I've been through things, that, that could easily rob another human person of their humanity. I've seen too many bad things in this world. I have seen too much suffering. I have experienced too much pain. So anything other than that are gold and diamonds. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, I got you, Z. I like the way that you've just cut through this whole problem because I presented it up front as this thorny situation where you come back and you're expecting support and you're expecting someone to validate everything that you're going through and that just enables this cycle of dysfunctional behavior and how do you get through that and you said two things that are really powerful don't be entitled and be grateful so don't expect everything to always go your way and be grateful for what you have and if you do those two things then the drama disappears to begin with you have nothing to come home and talk about there's no dysfunction to even enable so you cut through I mean, it's like cutting the root of the problem, just severing it entirely. And you can go about your life and you can live peacefully and you don't have to carry around all this baggage all the time. I think the flip side is maybe some people enjoy the drama. Uh, maybe some of the enablers like getting involved in concocting stories about the trials and travails that someone has to go through or, oh my goodness, can you believe this happened? Or, oh my God, I couldn't find my keys and it was such a disaster and why do I do this and what's wrong with me and has this ever happened to you and you take something which is completely inconsequential and you turn it into a 30-minute discussion and I, I don't know man I mean that sort of thing just drains me it's something I don't have a lot of interest in but 
maybe some people enjoy that or it's a way to pass the time. Uh, but we can only control ourselves. And I think if, number one, we can get away from just being involved in this perpetual drama that we build in our minds, and two, really anchor in that gratitude, really be wary of that entitlement, we can just make life a lot simpler. That's right, Ben. And I think if we had slogans, there's certain slogans that I tell people that if you keep this slogan, maybe put it on a t-shirt or paint it on a, a, a fridge magnet or something, you're entitled to nothing. You are not that interesting. You will feel better once you give up hope. There are little things that you can say to yourself that really lighten the load. No one owes you anything. Ten different, eight billion people, ten different stories. It's like watching reruns of I Love Lucy. They're fun, but you know what's going to happen. Okay? So, lighten up. Go with gratitude. Avoid supporting dysfunction because it will rob you of your life and your gratitude. It will rob you of your life. Life is about living in the light of life. It will dim the light of your life. As you said, some people make it a hobby to be a victim, entitled, crazy, whatever, and they're like a walking novella, right? A walking soap opera. They're not that interesting and you know how it's going to turn out. Life is short. Death is waiting for all of us right around the corner. So that's why we are looky-loos at car wrecks. And you drive by, you want to slow down and look to see who spilled out on the street. You say, ah, thank God it wasn't me. I was, you ever hear the story? Oh, I was four cars behind a terrible accident. Luckily, I didn't get my latte right away. I would have been right there if that girl, I need to go thank that girl for giving me my latte late, but I cursed her out. And I put on a scene at Starbucks. I can't go back there and say anything nice to her. But she saved my life. Let's not be that person. Let's just live and walk in gratitude. Let's share that with our loved ones. Let's not be the person who pays too much for what they have. Okay? Yeah, yeah, that's the way to do it. Give up hope. Stop expecting anything. Work for me, Z. That's why I hang out with you. I think it was that day, the day I gave up hope. <laughs> it really cemented our relationship. Life is hope. We got it all. We don't need more. We just we just thrive and, 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 and enjoy the love we have that we get. We don't deserve it. We haven't won anything. We're not noble, divine nobility. We're just hapless human beings, man. Thank God people love us and care about us, man. I'm not hoping for any of that. I got it all. Yeah, that's true, man. Simple but effective. So let's all follow that strategy. Don't take things too seriously. Avoid drama. Keep it simple. All right, brother. Let's do it again. All right. Peace. Peace. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.